This is Monty and Will recording for the Wiggly podcast just at the top of the drive, ready to get stuck into the field where Farmer Phil is combining. See you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to Podcast 99. I'm Heather Gorange and I'm at Lower Blakemere Farm in Herefordshire in the UK. And I'm joined today on the sofa not by Ricardo, who is being referred in the Hereford Times as Mr Richard Fishbourne. We'll find <laughs> out about that later. But Farmer Phil. Hi, how are you, Hev? Well, I'm your wife, so I'm all right. Yeah, well, I haven't <laughs> seen much of you this time of year, do I? Yes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, on this week's show, we've got two new intrepid reporters. They go out with their roving mics to find Farmer Phil on this combine. Not only that, but we've got loads of feedback, which is all very well and good, but how do we fit in our stuff? We've got feedback coming back in from Chris, who's an airline pilot, a little bit of Noah there, meowing, and we've got various reviews to get through, and we also want to talk about beef and corn. Cats are so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) The cat is just organising Michael's soft. So, let's get on with the show. Here is the Hereford Times this week. And it says, to give you an idea of the different sides of Richard, garden talk. An expert on going green is coming to Hereford to talk about organics in the garden. Ethical gardening tips are being offered by Mr Richard Fishbourne at Waterstones this Friday evening. Mr Fishbourne is a leading figure from a Wiggly Wigglers, a company that encourages gardeners to use sustainable and organic practices. Composting with worms, attracting wildlife and friendly gardening aids will be discussed from 7pm. <laughs> now compare this, dear listener, with our latest review on iTunes. Oh dear, brace yourselves. <laughs> uh, uh, it's here somewhere. Uh, I, what, oh, oh, what are you on about? I've got it, it's here, look. Oh, funny, you've got it. <laughs> right, now what's this? this? This has been put up on iTunes, iTunes review, by Pooja Maduja. Pooja Majuja. Doesn't matter, carry anyway, And this is what it says. Five stars, must listen podcast. Fantastic. If there is one podcast you have to listen to, it's this. Totally addictive. The podcast is very informative, but also hilariously funny. Heather, Farmer, Phil and Ricardo. The banter from the Wiggly Sofa is great. My favourite favorite things are Ricardo's interviews. <laughs> <laughs> this guy loves to talk. He spends most of the interviews talking about himself <laughs> or over the interviewee. <laughs> Wait for it, it gets mm. better. The Rachel to Tame interview <laughs> is a classic example. The guy is a legend, though. Very, very funny. Oh. And tight. <laughs> this show makes my Monday. Download for laugh out loud fun. Where else can you get pig cast, chocolate ratings, worms, plant of the week, and the great Ricardo? Bonkers. 
P.S. They also cover some serious topics for which gardeners and conservationists is good news too. Don't miss this show. Ricardo for Prime Minister. <laughs> See, so which one listener do you like best out of our schizophrenic colleague? Ricardo, the Roman reporter on iTunes or Mr Richard Fishbourne, who's appearing at a Waterstones bookshop near you soon. I do feel in my heart that the Hereford Times, august journal though it is, may have slightly mispitched Mr <laughs> Fishbourne's character there. I like it. <laughs> it's like Mr Chorley Warburton. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you remember when I went to see the Dean of Hereford some time ago and talked about local flowers and the fact they were having the flower festival? I do remember because I remember you coming back and saying that you seemed to be a, a moment apart in your thoughts at that point. Well, to some extent, but they've, got, they've carried on with their flower festival, which I wish them good luck with, and we actually ended up sending the Dean a bouquet. And he liked those flowers and he said, congratulations to Wiggly Wigglers for delighting us and challenging us at the same time. So I'm hoping they're going to have more local flowers in their flower festival next year. But in the meantime, we're sponsoring some of the garden talks that are going on at the festival. And the people talking are Sir Roy Strong, and he's going to be talking about the development of his gardens at the Lasket near Ross and Wye. He's a historian and gardener. Heard of him? Mm. Roddy Llewellyn... Now we've heard of him, haven't we? He's, He's a, a boy, mind. broadcaster and garden writer. But he did have a fling with Princess Margaret. <laughs> He's um, going to be talking about inspirational ideas for the garden on the 7th of September at the Flower Festival. And then also on Saturday the 8th of September, David Howard, who is the head gardener at Highgrove, is talking about developing Highgrove, the Highgrove philosophy and the bigger picture. So lots of organic gardening chat with David Howard. Um, so if you want to go, if you've got the chance to come to Hereford, I know you probably live in a California, so you can't just pop over. But if you were popping over, don't miss the gardening lectures at the Festival of Flowers at Hereford Cathedral between the 6th and the 8th of September. And their website is dub, 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 dot herefordcathedral.org forward slash flowers and Glyn Morgan is organising it good old farmer from over the hill so well done all and I'm hoping next year there'll be even more English flowers in your flower festival but in the meantime hope it goes well and great gardening talks that we're a part of and we're going to do some goodie bags so uh, if you come along you might just get a wiggly goodie bag what I wanted to talk to you about, Phil, was the stuff in the news about farmers moaning again and the Deloitte <laughs> report that beef prices are just going to have to go up because the poor old farmer has to pay more for his corn. It's a bit like a sort of default setting for farmers, isn't it? That they just have to sort of go back to this base level of problem and the Deloitte report is correct that the price of wheat has more or less doubled. I mean, I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And for those people who use wheat for animal feed, for, for chickens and other animals and what have you, this is bad news. It represents a significant hike in costs for them. But 
At the same time, a lot of farmers are mixed in terms of the fact that they grow wheat to feed their own livestock so that they will have the benefit themselves of the higher price to help them with the fact that their livestock are costing more to feed. So the farmer is getting more for his corn and he's charging the other farmer more. Yeah, but <laughs> what I think is of more significance is that, I, I, as you know, and as I suspect that our listeners might have gathered, that I am a great fan of market forces and that if I can do something to move those market forces in my favour by adding value to what I sell then that is the way to do it. Not by telling the market that because I'm not making enough money they've just got to pay me more. It, it's such a depressing thought and when I thought about it since this report came out a couple of three days ago I thought, of course, the problem really is, in this country at any rate, we choose to sell the majority of our livestock at auction. And that, that means that once there is a downward pressure on the market, so foot and mouth, the movement restrictions immediately allow it to become a buyer's market. The buyers have got you by the vitals then. So in an auction situation, the price can just plummet. Whereas if you sell things on contract and you have deals and private deals and so on, outside the auction situation, you can, to some extent, safeguard yourself, just as we do with cereals and so on. But, of course, this year, those people who sold cereals forward have lost out because they sold forward 12 months ago, and they sold wheat at £80, £90 a tonne for delivery now, and the spot price is £140 now. And I just think, on the day that you did the deal, the deal was right. Move on. Go and do something else. Here's the headline on the BBC news site, and it says, This warning comes days after consumers were told to prepare for rising bread prices as wheat costs hit records. <laughs> well, how much wheat does it take to make a loaf of bread, Farmer Phil? Not a great deal. I'd say it was a few grains, wouldn't it be? Would well, it be? it's more than a few grains, well, but... A pound of wheat, I would imagine, would produce more than half a pound of flour. So, between half a kilo and a kilo of wheat will make a loaf of bread. That would be right, yes. All agreed. Yep. So, the price of that kilo, even if it's at £150 a tonne, is 15p. 15p. And so, your bread costs anywhere from 60p to pound twenty. So your raw material price is pretty irrelevant, isn't it? That's right. Even if the price goes up by another £10 to completely unprecedented levels, that would be another penny in the cost. Also, you should remember that these prices are not unprecedented. In the early 80s, we had prices well over £100 a tonne and the bread price was significantly lower then. Now, I would concede that energy prices and, and the cost of running your flour mill have gone up since then. But essentially, these prices are not unprecedented, and in real terms, they're still low. If you took a price from the 70s and added all the relevant inflation to it, you'd come up with a figure much higher than we've got now. But the point is that everybody does their maths, and the real point is, if you can't make sense of the business, don't do it. You have to try and spread your risks. That might be through mixed farming. That's one way of spreading your risk. So you don't grow all one crop. And when that crop goes wrong, cry in your beer. Or another way of doing it is to spread your marketing so that you sell it in different places for minimum price contracts, guaranteed this, 
or you take a bit of a punt with 30% and say, right, I'll stick it on. You know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't sell things at auction, but what's the warning that goes on all savings plans and share policies and so on? Our prices may go down as well as up. And that is just the same with, with agriculture. The assumption that you are going to get a price that you can make a living at is not right. Anyway, Alan Shepherd, who wrote that great book, The Organic Garden, and he's a good wiggly friend and he's wrote um, Curious What Sits in Your Garden at Night Time and the little handy book to deal with slugs, he's got a blog, and I read on his blog this amazing idea. <laughs> so he says, We pay artists a percentage whenever we play their song. Why don't we pay animals something whenever we use their imagery to make a profit? How many ice-cool cans of Coca-Cola have been sold by the use of the cutesy image of polar bears? Coca-Cola should pay a tax for the use of the polar bear's image. They'd have to pay the estate of Elvis Presley if they used an image of the king. Why shouldn't the polar bears get something? Likewise, every time a Beatrice Potter book is sold, a percentage should go towards saving the hedgehog. Why should we profit from the imagery of animals while overseeing or by negligence allowing their destruction. What do you think? That's an amazing idea, isn't it? It's good thinking. Poor old Wiggly Wigglers will go out of business, Alan. I, I could see a big <laughs> row coming on, so the polar bear idea, and we know that in theory the, the reduction in ice pack area is seriously impinging on the polar bear. Well, the discussion then as to what you spend the money on would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Anyway, there we are. So... Let's see if the great Ricardo can do any better on his interviewing techniques with Dermot Gavin. It's going to be a long interview, this one, I think. Not. <laughs> just, just, uh, Dermot, I'm, I'm, I'm Richard from... How are you, Richard? Richard. Hello, nice, nice to, to meet you. Um, I just want a little soundbite from you. We do a weekly podcast. Brad, yeah. So what I want to do, just, I know you've got to rush off now. OK. Three tips, yeah. uh, gardening for wildlife tips, off the wall. Off to all. Okay. Your three okay. off the wall tips. Right. Yeah. Okay. What would they be? Uh, what would they be? The first one would be don't cut the grass, let it grow. It's just been reading about what the wildlife services are saying. Keep the gardens a little bit untidy because gardens are the last refuge for birds and bees with intensive farming. But it is really all about uh, keeping it untidy, planting plants that they like, whether it's plenty of berries for the winter, whether it's the buddleia for the butterflies. That's number one. Number two would be off the wall. Uh, conserving water is huge, of course. Right. Uh, yeah, so, um, and green composting, using all green waste, making compost, because a huge amount of green waste goes into landfill sites and produces just uh, rust and produces methane gas, which does huge damage to the environment. So anything green you can compost in the garden. Fantastic. They're not really off the wall, but they're, uh, they're more okay, sensible. No nice to meet you. Cheers. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. He was in a bit of a rush, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so we've had the ten, really. If you look, look at it as a deck of cards, the interviews that we've had with corking gardening folk. We've had the ten, that's Carol Klein, haven't we? We've definitely had the queen. Yeah, that well, was Rachel well, Detain. Yeah, yeah. We've had the king, Monty. So old Dermot, he's got to be the... Uh... He's the knave, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we need the ace, Titchmarsh. We want ya. <laughs> right then, let's hear these intrepid reporters trying to vie with Richard for the crown of reporting genius. 
Monty and Will go off to the Combine. Hello, this is Monty and Will reporting for the Wiggly Wigglies podcast. Hello, I'm Monty. And that's Will. What we're combining here are our peas and they're, they're going quite well. I'm quite pleased with them. They haven't suffered with the wet weather and as you can see we've nearly finished this field. Why, why do they look so brown and horrible then? Well what these peas are grown for is that they're going to be seed for another farmer to plant next year and then when his crop grows he will harvest them green to make frozen peas like you buy in the supermarket and so that these are what are called vining peas but we grow the seed for other farmers to plant and the reason they're all brown and horrible is that we have to let them go completely dry so that we can combine them because we can't combine them when they're green well what do you want to ask? so where will they go when you've finished them. When we've combined them we put them in our grain store and we'll cool them down by blowing air through them and just make sure that they're completely dry and even and then they go to a cleaning plant where they clean them, clean any soil and bits of rubbish out of them and then they will dress them and bag them ready to go on to another farmer for next spring when they're because they're a spring sown crop and they'll be planted next spring to be grown for green and then later on in the summer they'll be harvested green by a big machine called a pea viner and within 24 hours of being harvested they're frozen and packed to go to the supermarket. So what actually happens inside the combine? Well what's happening is you can see all the peas with their pods going in at the front and there's a knife there that cuts the crop off and then right underneath where we're sitting there's what's called the thrashing drum which is basically a device that rubs the, the crop so it breaks the pods open and then underneath it is like a sieve which allows the seed, the peas, to fall through and then it goes on to several more sieves where we blow air through it and we can clean some of the rubbish out of it and then all the good peas go up in the tank which is right behind our seat here and all the rubbish and the pea horn, the straw, goes out of the back of the combine which leaves the swath of straw you can see where I've been. So if, if me and Will look behind us, there's actually a load of peas, very brown, falling right into this big hole um, in the top of the combine and it fills up and then there's a pipe that goes out the side of the combine into a trailer with a tractor who takes him off to the drying um, cleaners and um, what they were before and um, well anything else? How long does it take you to harvest all your peas? Well this year we've got about a hundred acres of peas we're having to go a little bit slowly this year because it was so wet earlier on that when Kevin sprayed the peas 
with uh, the various fungicides and so on that we have to put on them. He made some very deep wheel marks and so it's a bit bumpy in places but we'll do about between 30 and 40 acres a day. So three days we should harvest our pea crop and then we'll go back to combining wheat then. So is it a bit easier for you with your new combine? It's much easier than it used to be. The new combines have got all devices, as you can see, I've got to keep the cutter bar very close to the ground and this combine automatically follows the ground so that it does a lot of it for me, which makes it a lot less tiring than the older ones were. But as you can see, we've got to keep the cutter bar right flat to the ground because the whole crop has gone flat, which it, which it will do, that's quite normal, but the whole crop is sort of within three or four inches of the surface of the soil, so that we've got to pick it up gently, because the, the peas are very brittle, they'll shatter and you'll lose the peas on the floor, so that we've got to gently lift it with these telescopic lifters, and then get it into the combine without shattering the pods. It looks like, from outside, that the combine is just picking up a big sheet of peas. That It doesn't look like separate like wheat, all just going in. It looks like a sheet is being lifted up. Well, that's exactly right, Mum, and you've, you've hit the nail on the head, because if you have a good crop of peas, and this is a reasonable crop of peas, they're thick enough so that they all bind together. You know in the garden you can make peas climb sticks and they, they've got all tendrils so they grow together and the trick to harvesting peas is if you can get hold of that carpet that mat you can see that the peas are starting to lift well in front of the combine and the lifters you're picking the end of the carpet up and when it'll work like that it's much easier to combine them and it goes dewy in the evening that mat goes right down close to the floor it's much harder to get hold of it and it's even more difficult to keep hold of it and so we, we can't combine peas uh, late at night or anything like that because you, they just won't come into the combine. So well, uh, as you're not um, one that knows all farming, um, particularly like me as well, um, what, what do you know about the farming, the jobs on the farm? Well, I know that you have to harvest the crops and sow the seeds, fertilise them, feed them and water them, and make bales, feed the animals and milk the cows. That's about it, I think. So that's quite a hard job for a farmer. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, well, the reason really that they went and did that interview was because I did the whole interview and put the sound levels wrong and it sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listener. New catalogue's out and I've just got to tell you about Recover, which is the detergent which is environmentally friendly, but we've had this amazingly fabulous idea. Well, I think it is because it was my idea which is that we will do five litre containers, but when you refill them, 
because there's actually no real discount to be had because we enable you to send them back with a free post we're going to give a pound to billy bank which is my brother billy's attempt at raising money for heart transplant charities because he ended up with a new heart actually i think he was was he two or three a couple of months ago two wasn't it yeah so he's really 60 so he had a good one he going well yep yep um, so if you want to check this out, go to our website and uh, look for the Ecova. It's great stuff too. Karen's used it for years and she doesn't smell at all. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, half the time you think these things aren't going to make you clean, don't you? But she really doesn't smell. Also, it's I've been handy. right up to her and sniffed her and uh, there was no smell at all. <laughs> it's quite handy that they do all the bits and pieces you need. So you've got your, your washing machine stuff and your hand washing stuff and your dishwashing stuff. And as far as I can tell, it works. If you can get my jeans clean, it'll get anything clean. Got your hands clean, didn't it, Farmer Phil? You must see the picture of Farmer Phil's hands on page eight. They they go from being the normal, gungy, messy things to these beautiful, uh, smooth, well, absolutely lovely hands. Hands I've never thought of my hands as being (laughs) slender and um, (laughs) elegant. Oh, well, they're really Joe's, aren't they? (laughs) So anyway, Joe's hands are clean from it, and Karen definitely doesn't smell. (laughs) So, um, yeah, eke over. Sorry about the plug. So I said we'd got loads of feedback, and we have got loads of feedback. Here's the first bit. Hello, Heather, Farmer Phil and Ricardo. I'm a wiggly groupie. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Good I'm job, a- <laughs> Ricardo. It's not about it. <laughs> I would like to thank you guys for making the best podcast on the net. I'm an airline pilot and I've been carrying my iPod around with me all over the world listening to you in all sorts of places. So is that while he's driving the plane? It's not a she then. Why? Well, groupies are normally she's, aren't they? No, it's a he, I think. (sighs) Carrying my iPod all over the world with me, listening to you in all sorts of places, on every continent and above them. Gosh, what a thought. What a thought. In addition to being an enthusiastic listener, I'm also an enthusiastic spreader of the wiggly word. Environmentally responsible, bi-local and the B word, biodiversity. I don't know what it is about this job, And I suppose it might seem a bit hypocritical, but you'd probably be surprised how many people in my profession have a very keen interest in the environment. I think it's because we are regular witnesses to the range of environments across the globe as a matter of course. We're privileged to be able to see the planet from an unusually broad perspective, looking down and seeing the impact the human race is having on it. And, my wiggly friends, it's not good. I say my fellow pilots and I may seem hypocritical because the aircraft we fly really do burn a large amount of fuel and therefore deposit correspondingly large amounts of carbon into the atmosphere. For example, a 747 burns on average 10 metric tonnes of fuel per hour. Having said that, we are, per passenger, more efficient than the family car. I'm trying hard not to sound like I'm justifying my profession, polluting the planet. Maybe I'm succeeding. Probably not. Oh, and now he says, Chris jumps onto his wiggly soapbox rather long-windedly and without further ado, here's the Chris rant read by Farmer Phil. 
So here we got Chris's rant, but I, I better start with the PS because Michael suggested I read through it so that I got my teeth in the right way up. And I got to the PS. <laughs> it says, whilst I don't really expect any of my rant to go to air, well, may I ask that if it does, you only refer to me as Chris. After all, I do have to continue to live here without fear of repercussions in what is, after all, a communist country. <laughs> so he's, he's emailed us from China. So anyway, here's his rant. What disgusts me, however, is the huge amount of pollution being thrown into the atmosphere on a worldwide scale by some of our more inconsiderate neighbours, with quite literally no regulation or monitoring by their respective governments. It is disgusting and immoral. As a small example, living in Hong Kong, we are meteorologically exposed to a northerly wind for much of the year, which passes over China before it gets here. It picks up all their airborne pollutants on the way here. It's well publicised in our media that just living and breathing here is the same as smoking six cigarettes a day. Horrifically, we have a pollution index that is announced with the weather, which if forecast to be high enough, will be accompanied by a warning not to go outside tomorrow unless it's absolutely necessary. There's very little industry left in Hong Kong, but we aren't blameless. Everything used to be made in Hong Kong, but when living standards increased here and it got too expensive to manufacture things locally, the local companies just moved their factories over the border into China, where there are no labour laws and there's no environmental protection. Another example, I know for a fact that they still use DDT over there when I'm pretty sure it's been outlawed in developed countries for decades. The general population of developed countries, by no fault of their own, are ignorant of what is going on on a global scale. It's all about education and, frankly, who's going to tell them? Well, me. I'd like to. I'm just like every wiggly one of you, and I'm here to tell you this is happening every minute of every day. It saddens me that so many individuals, wiggly Facebook rocks, <laughs> and some companies, wiggly wigglers rock, are trying so very hard to do everything they can on an individual level to help our environment. But our governments and big business is letting us down on a global level by not putting enough pressure on the offending governments and big business to clean up their act. Two points, though, before I go that are worth discussion and I'd be interested in a Wiggly panel's point of view. As developed nations, we went through an industrial revolution to get to where we are today. Coal-fired mechanical revolution that polluted the air so accurately that cities were encased in coal dust that settled on everything, and visibility was reduced to a couple of hundred feet. Now that our developed nations are wealthier, we have the luxury and privilege of being able to consider other things other than just paying bills and literal survival, i.e. the environment. So... Do we have the right to impose our own environmental standards on countries who are going through their own industrial revolution, trying to feed their populations and better their lifestyles? Their revolution will be quicker than ours with the benefit of technology, but does the planet have time? Second and last point, it's all very well, but I can't do anything about it personally. Really? The next time you buy something that's not made locally, ask yourself, why isn't it made here? Again, why isn't it made here? The answer is, of course, because you wanted to buy it as cheaply as possible. How can it be cheaper to make it overseas and make it locally? Well, my Wiggly friends, it's cheaper for them to make your product overseas where there is no environmental impact study before making the factory. The factory's effluent is pumped untreated into the river where the last of the inland dolphins have just been declared extinct. Sorry about the rant, Heather. I set out the intention of telling you about how my family and I are applying Wiggly principles. Blah, blah, blah. Did you put blah, 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 or did you say, I said blah, blah, blah? I said blah, 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 because he'd asked to remain anonymous. I didn't <laughs> want to then give away too many clues. But basically, thank you for that, Chris. And yes, I did know some of what you're saying, and now I know a good deal more. 
and the issues are exactly as you say them. I've long thought that in terms of chemicals and so on, that when they got banned in developed countries, the manufacturers just set about selling them in underdeveloped countries, and it's outrageously irresponsible. I don't see the point of it. And as regards energy, at some point, we have to address the fact that we've got to use less of it. Well, I've got one thing to say to that. What about going to listen to a Michael highly recommended podcast, which is the Royal Society... It's on iTunes, and the version that we all need to listen to is Bill Bryson, A Short History of Nearly Everything, and it came out in June 2006. So, Chris, thank you for the rant. (laughs) Go and listen to that. We will go and listen to that podcast too, because obviously we can't address this mega issue without the uh, great uh, Ricardo. And there's more important things for me to think about, like chocolate, obviously. Um, so what, what we'll do is we will address that issue um, in a podcast coming up soon after we've all listened to a short history of nearly everything. And dear podcast listener, dear Wiggly podcast listener, why don't you go and listen to it? And then we'll have a big humdinger of a do at a later date. In the meantime, for our 100th show... We are going to redefine the chocolate rating. Yes, some people might go for the mega interview. Some people might go for the Skype cast. But no, we are going to redefine the chocolate rating. Why don't we redefine it and make it into the beer rating? Definitely not, Phil. Chocolate has been proven, I read in the paper that it actually affects women's brains. So does beer, I've noticed. <laughs> in, in a very positive way. Um, so, uh, no. <laughs> no, beer doesn't affect them in a positive <laughs> way, not, not usually. Just before we go, I'd like to say thank you to Sally Getch for the invite to stay in San Francisco. I might take you up on that, we'll see. And also thank you to Podchef for inviting us to go and stay in Podchef Island. And the great thing is, I think that uh, we'll be able to take Farmer Phil and Monty on that trip and go and, um, well, do his pig. I've, I've got this sort of vision of a, a sort of chef version of, of <laughs> Dr. No or somebody <laughs> in his cooking fortress <laughs> in an island <laughs> off, off the west coast of America. And I just, he's just sat there in his, his sort of big stainless steel armchair <laughs> marshalling activities in his kitchen and slaughtering pigs and this, that and the other and... I I think it'd be great if we can pull that together. I'm really looking forward to that. What I really hope is that we're there for his pig cooking experience. And if you want to join us, there is a chance because if you go to kitchengardens.net and get to the bit called Everything But The Squeal, that's about him talking about properly raising piggies and proper cuts of pork and porky delight testing. Crackling, that's the answer. Um, In the meantime, here is a pig cast from Monty. Monty's pig cast, a weekly fact on pigs. The Tamworth pig has a bright ginger coat, pricked ears and long snout. Thank Thank you, you, Monty. Um, You must come and join us on Facebook if you have any interest in wiggly stuff at all. Keep up to date there. It's fantastic. There's 32 discussion topics 
Um, 31 of them are extremely interesting, and one is about cats. <laughs> so feel free to start any new ones that you want, so that if, you know, we had Chris's rant earlier on about energy usage and so on, you know, there's bound to be different opinions all over the world. Let's, let's have a discussion about it on Facebook. It'd be great. Yeah, I think you should have discussions about which wiggly product you like best. <laughs> <laughs> which one is your favourite? <laughs> Only joking. Right, well, um, also, if you'd like to review us on iTunes, that does just tickle us proper. So that would be wonderful. Um, be and- nice to Ricardo, though. He's a bit bruised, I think. Oh, I don't think we should be nice. Well, I don't really, but I was just in a patronising <laughs> way. So. Yes. Uh, so, Ricardo will be back on the Wiggly Sofa next week. Roving Ricardo will return. Uh, it's bye from me at Wiggly Wigglers on a fairly overcast day in August. Bye. Bye from me. <laughs> <laughs>